So uh, a couple of weeks ago, the unthinkable happened. One of our kids, who shall remain nameless, <laughs> left one of the stuffed loveys out in the backyard. We've warned them, we've told them that we have two goofy dogs who would love nothing more than to make a chew toy out of any loveys who are left in the backyard. But our warnings were ignored. So the kids gravely ushered us out into the backyard to the scene of the crime. And it really did look like a crime scene. Every stick and toy and everything had been moved back to form a perimeter around the victim. Now, <laughs> thankfully, this stuffed animal, who shall also remain nameless, was not totally destroyed, but she did lose an eye. So I gave my son an option. I said, I can craft an eye patch for this stuffed animal and sew it on. This was my favorite option because I thought it was hilarious. Or I could get a replacement plastic eye and sew that on. That was the choice my son made. Boring, but whatever, okay. Well, time got away from me, a few weeks passed by, and I forgot about repairing the eye. And I guess that my son had forgotten too, or I thought he had. Until this week, when my son came to me with tears in his eyes, he said, even though my stuffed animal is missing an eye, I still love her so much. He looks at that lovey, war-torn and injured and well-loved, and his heart fills with affection with grief for what has happened, with pain for what should not have been, with hope for restoration all at once, and he's overwhelmed. Even though she's broken, he still loves her. Most of you have heard me preach before, and you know that I like to bring up the kids' loveys, and I think here's why. It keeps coming back to this for me. If they can love these toys so well, so innocently, then surely we can learn something from them. Surely we can love people, the people God loves, people God gave us, even better than that, if we practice and if we pray and if we have God's help. Which brings us to today's portion of the Apostles' Creed. We're continuing in our sermon series on the Creed, and today we're talking about the communion of saints. The communion of saints means that we have an unbreakable bond with each and every other believer who has ever lived and who will ever live. It means that we have more in common with another believer 2,000 years ago than we have with any person who doesn't know Christ. We have a close bond as far away as they seem. We have a close bond with Abraham, with David, with Mary, with all of these people who have come before. That they are as close to us as humanly possible. We have a deeper, more lasting commitment to a believer who votes differently or who cross the border illegally or craziest of all, who is wrong online, <laughs> then we have to any person who doesn't trust in Christ. That sounds impossible. 
It sounds more impossible by the day because the message of the day on both sides is to have an increased mistrust of people who aren't in our political tribe. Hate and fear people who don't think like you or live like you or vote like you. That's what the world says. Especially hate and fear people who are wrong online, right? It sounds impossible to love the church if the church really includes all of this brokenness, all of this imperfection. And I want to add something important. There's this whole list of incredible things towards the end of the Apostles' Creed. And this list is not random. This list comes right after, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. It's like boom, 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 all of these things. And they're not random because none of these things would be possible without first saying that we believe in the Holy Spirit. None of these things would be possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. These are all things that we should strive for or hope for or believe in, but we are not capable of true forgiveness or true fellowship on our own strength any more than we're capable of raising the dead on our own strength. We need the power of the Spirit for that. Remember that. This communion of saints, this great family that binds us all across the generations, across the miles, across the ages, is not possible on our own steam. It's just not. So Paul uses a metaphor he really likes to come back to to describe the church. He talks about the church like a body. There are different parts of the body, and each has different strengths. Each is there for a reason. Each is important. But this metaphor doesn't really work for me, to be honest. Uh, we've been titling sermons in this series after lines in the creed. So today is the communion of saints. But I almost wanted to go off book and call today's sermon body image. We're supposed to love the saints and accept one another like we love our own bodies. We're supposed to appreciate and forgive and cherish the church like we do our own bodies. Well... Mission accomplished because we also have a notorious difficulty in this day and age accepting our own bodies, don't we? Now, okay, my brain. I've always been okay with my brain. It's pretty strong. It does what I need it to do. Some of it, okay? The part of the brain that's responsible for small talk, um, it's not, that's not the best part, okay? It doesn't always do what it's supposed to do for me. Uh, and my hair, all right? There's, nobody likes their own hair, I know that, but I, there's kind of a lot of it and it's wavy, it's just wavy enough to, it's not straight and silky, it's not fun and curly, it's like in between. Um, I, my skin is really fair, okay? My mom can get a suntan effortlessly. And I tried to do that last week. I try, it's like swimsuit season, so I thought I would get a little bit of a tan, and instead I ended up like medium rare, you know. <laughs> um, and I think so many people struggle with that, not just body image, but uh, difficulties, pain, aches. I don't think anybody is totally happy with every part of their own body. 
In fact, so you know I like to preach from a manuscript. Uh, I did not need a manuscript for this part. It just says, complain about your body, and I could go. <laughs> All right, so Paul is saying, don't choose favorites. Think of it like a body, because each part of the body of Christ is important. And I'm thinking, Paul, you underestimate my ability to choose favorites. I don't even like some of me, okay? We receive images daily of what the ideal body should look and perform like. We receive daily images of what the perfect Christian or perfect citizen should perform like. And anything that falls short or operates differently is seen as less than. Our brothers and sisters who are disabled or differently abled can attest to this. This is a world that glamorizes and fetishizes one very specific way of being. One type gets the magazine cover, and everyone else is dispensable. And then I think of my boy, who I have so much to learn from. Even though she's missing an eye, I love her so much. Even though she's broken, he loves her so much. My son, who is more Christ-like in his love in many ways than I am, my son who understands things that I have to go back to and relearn. So how can we relearn what we need to? How can we, as Jesus says, become like little children? It comes back, as it so often does, to fixing our eyes on Jesus. Look at Jesus' disciples. Okay, Simon the Zealot, if you know anything about the Zealots as a faction, let me just say, uh, Simon was like two clicks to the right of Antifa, okay? If there was online, he would have been wrong online. <laughs> Look at Simon Peter, okay? He flew off the handle all the time. He had such uh, faith in his own strong faith, but then when, when the chips were down, he fell. He fell short. Look at James and John, who were bickering over who was the greatest. Look at Thomas, who I know he gets a bad rap, but it's for a reason, okay? He needed to see something before he believed it. And if there's a character flaw for a Christian to have, that's probably the worst one. Like, believing in what we haven't seen yet is almost the whole thing. <laughs> Poor Thomas, all right? And so you have this whole group that the world would have seen as this motley crew, as this broken group of people. You couldn't collect a group more different if you tried. But here's the thing. This was not a mistake on Jesus' part. This was not plan B. This group was exactly what he wanted. These people were exactly who he chose. This was exactly the family he meant to create. They all needed each other. Now, a group of perfect, super robot Christians would have been boring, stagnant, and would have nothing to say to their present day, would have nothing to say to our present day. So when the world saw this motley crew, when the world saw brokenness, Jesus saw family. Jesus said, she's broken, but I love her so much. Hebrews 12 says of Jesus that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
as he was hanging on the cross, he looked over at the thief hanging next to him and he said, unbelievably, miraculously, he said, you are part of this body. You are part of this family. And he has done that to each and every one of us at our most broken, at our most vulnerable, when we've been chewed up and spit out and don't even like ourselves, that's when Jesus says of the church, even though she's broken, I love her so much. Now John chapter 3 famously says, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. This ideal of outward perfection, of everyone being the same, didn't even occur to Jesus. He loved the world. He gave his all. He gave his life. Even though the world says she's broken, he loves her so much. So I want to encourage you in a couple of ways today. First of all, if you find it difficult to love God's people, don't be discouraged That's good, that means your head's on straight. It's not just difficult to love God's people. By our own strength, it's actually impossible. But second, always, always fix your eyes on Jesus. See how he loves the church. And remember what we have in common. When I look out at the pews or when I I look at our community, when I look at our church, I often think, of the different circumstances that brought us together. That no two stories would be the same, no two opinions would be the same, and yet, in some incredible way, Christ has come into each of our lives and brought us into one another's lives. That's amazing, that's a bond like no other. I remember reading, um, if you saw that, that trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, several years ago, uh, there's, this, there's this group of nine adventurers in this story. And I remember reading that, that these nine actors who, who played this, these parts, um, that all of them got uh, some sort of tattoo. They all went and got a tattoo together of the number nine or something like that. And to them, it was like, this... Yes, this is a permanent mark on ourselves, but it's a reminder of we nine actors have a bond. We, we have been through something that nobody else in the world has been through. We've been through something together that ties us together through our whole lives no matter what. Okay, and that was uh, several months on a movie set? How much more of a bond do we have Our lives were all saved by the same person. Our eternity was set. We were given purpose. We were given family by Jesus Christ. How much more of an eternal bond do we have with everyone who confesses Christ? There is an unbreakable bond between you and every other saint every believer who has ever lived or whoever will live. That's your family forever. There's no one closer to us than our own brothers and sisters in Christ. We should love the church like we love our own bodies. And actually, we should love the church better than we love our own bodies much of the time. 
but again by fixing our eyes on Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only can we grow in our love of God, but we can love our neighbor as ourselves. We can love the saints. We can love the church. Even when she's broken, we can love her so much. 